Hello, it's Bill Pakoda, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversations. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And here we are, back at it again, catching up with your favorite currents and former Royals players on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, and today we do have a true fan favorite for you. Bill Pakoda. He played for the Royals from 1986 to 1991. Good old I-29, he was called. Bill Pakoda, yes, the same Pakoda who has inspired the baseball prospectus formula Pakoda, the Pakoda system, which we'll talk all about with Bill right here on Clubhouse Conversation. But going back to his playing days, was drafted by the Royals in 1981, 10th round, came up through the Royals minor league system, played almost 450 games here in Kansas City from 86 to 91, primarily as an infielder, but played all over the field, ended up throughout his career playing all nine positions at the major league level. And then, of course, was dealt with Brett Saberhagen to the Mets in that blockbuster deal that got the Royals, Greg Jeffries, Kevin McReynolds, and Keith Miller. Pakota would play for the Mets, and then the Braves played in the NLCS. An interesting guy, very excited to have him on Clubhouse Conversation. He was a professional bass fisherman after his career. What the heck? He's on hold. Let's just bring him on and talk all about this. Bill Pakota on Clubhouse Conversation. First of all, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And how are you doing? Very well, thank you. What are you up to these days? Uh, right now, I'm currently uh, monkeying around with muscle cars, um, trying to restore some, and visiting a lot of the auctions around the country, and uh, just kind of in the ca- into cars. Was into that um, at a very young age, and it's continued. Can you fix everything on those two? Uh, not. A, <laughs> I do what I can, and what. And what I when I run up against a roadblock, I seek help. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, some stuff I can do and some stuff I can. There you go. Fair enough. Now you're obviously still in the Kansas City area as well. Have you been following the Royals quite a bit? And how exciting was it for you to watch them last October? Uh, it's awesome. It was uh, really, really awesome for all the alumni to uh, follow them very close. To answer your first question, but uh, follow them closely. Um, but uh, the alumni are very, very proud uh, of uh, what they accomplished and the direction the organization is. Well, they're in now. They're not headed. They're there. And uh, it's just fantastic, you know, because there's so many years of uh, kind of struggles. And uh, so it's, it's super, super exciting, exciting to watch these guys play. You go out to fantasy camp, don't you, on some years? I've, yeah, on some years. I think I've done three of them. And the other ones I, I – uh, couldn't make for some reason or another but uh yeah that's really fun really fun to do that i need to do that one of these years so now something else you've done after your career as well you became a professional bass fisherman and even won some championships are you still fishing much these days um not too much anymore because uh once my boys got involved with baseball my summers were covered up and that's when the fishing season is um but that was something that uh i'd grown up with uh long before baseball and uh, had the bass boat and did all that stuff before baseball. And 
and uh, just took a 15-year hiatus from fishing to play ball. And uh, <laughs> as soon as baseball was over, I went back into it. Uh, loved to fish, do the tournament circuit, and all that, and all that stuff. So it was just a time in my life that was really fun. But not pretty much over with that uh, because of the summers being covered up for the weekends. Well, one other question uh, before we head back in time and start from your high school days. The other question is, of course, baseball prospectus has made the phrase Pakota famous and into a baseball forecasting system. Of course, it's named after you also. So I, I'm assuming you take that as an honor? Uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It doesn't have anything to do with it. The only thing it has to do with me is uh, the guy that basically invented it wanted to find the most average player there was, you know, as far as numbers were concerned. And uh, he picked me because he had the, you know, made the acronym of whatever it, I, I can't even tell you, you probably have it in front of you, um, <laughs> what it means. But some kind of a system, I think it was mostly for uh, for fantasy type leagues and stuff like that, but it's it's become quite a system for whatever, I don't know exactly how it works, but, you know, for, for projecting how guys are going to do and how teams are going to do. And I don't even know how accurate it is. You know, they have, I know before the season they had the, the Pakota had the Royals uh, win in 72 games or something, which is stupid. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how, you know, how that, how, how the numbers shake out. It's all math, you know, the whole thing is math. Yeah. So, and and as, as we know, that doesn't, Math doesn't play the games. No, neither do uh, men in their basements. But <laughs> for that, exactly for that matter. Exactly. Now, for sure. Were you completely when you first found out that they called that Pakota? Were you kind of like, "What the hell? Why me?" Was it kind of a random moment for you? Well, it was. It was. Yeah, it was just a. Yeah, it was just whatever. That's cool, you know. Because I know the guy. Uh, what is his name? I don't know his name. That kind of did the thing. Did it with other sports too, and they used an average type of player for for that as well um and they use their name and they put some you know to to the letters of your of your last name they put some words you know to make it sound made, like it made sense or something like that so yeah it was kind of weird kind of cool i mean you know i'm not i'm not i don't feel one way or another about it other than it's kind of cool you know i still get a lot of calls from friends and this and that and you know because it, it's it's quite popular right now i guess I don't know how accurate it is. It may not be popular if it's very inaccurate in, in, at the end of the day. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, let's hope it's way off on the Royals' 72 wins. I think that's a, a, probably yeah, a fair bet at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 72. They could. Uh, they don't need to. Uh, they could basically suit up and win win half their games. Yeah, you know, they're 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 a really really talented team. So they don't even have to try, and they'll be 500 baseball team agree so your high school days let's go back to that you went to peterson high school in sunnyvale california you graduate in 1978 your first team baseball and basketball selection too so which was your favorite sport growing up and then uh which were you better at in your opinion uh it was always baseball um basketball we just i just did i think because my brother played my older brother and uh you know it's a time of year that back then we didn't uh work out you know baseball or any sport full-time it was just you're just playing high school sports you know it's just fun and it's a sport but uh baseball has always always been my favorite sport you know not not even close basketball was fun and everything but i was 
wasn't very good at basketball. So um, I didn't know whether I was good at any of them, you know, actually, because I didn't, I knew I wasn't that good at basketball. I didn't shoot very well. Um, but uh, I didn't know if I, I was just playing baseball. I was just playing for fun just because, and I really, we didn't have stats or anything. So I don't even, I, we probably did have stats, but I, they never had statutes to, to know if you were any good or not, you know. So it's basically just playing. <laughs> but I always loved baseball for sure. I always watched every, you know, Joe Gargiola and Tony Kubek and the game of the week and made sure of that and fake six so I could stay stay home and watch the the playoffs, you know, because they were always during the week at noon or whatever day games. And, uh, you know, on one of our three channels that we got on our TV. So I um, always loved to watch it. And kind of, a, I, I think, kind of a student of the game of some somewhat kind of analyzed it, always was analytical about it, watching guys do stuff in their swings and their footwork on defense and things like that. And went to a lot of Giants games uh, back then, Giants and, and A's for that matter. You know, of course, front runner in in a lot of kids is when the team's good, you root for them. And when the A's were good, winning those, they went three in a row with, uh, you know, Camby Campaneris and Vita Blue and Joe Rudy and you know, all those, you know, Gene Tennis, all those guys, of course, were Oakland fans. And then, but the Giants were always something to go see Willie Mays and Bobby Bonds, Willie McCovey, and, you know, all that, one Marichal and all that growing up. And you could go to Giants games for a dollar and sit in the bleachers. <laughs> so that's what we did out there in San Francisco, you know, just, so us, we weren't, you know, it's cold and everything, but we didn't know. We just wear, wear your jacket. So, you know, you just isolated out there. You don't know how nice it is in other places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Well, then you end up going to De Anza College there in California. What made you choose to go there? Uh, my brother went there, played basketball for them, and, and I, had after high school, uh, got a job working on cars and uh, kind of just floundering around, you know, didn't really have a direction, and I missed baseball, so uh, I asked my brother to, see if the, you know, who the baseball coach was and uh, if he'd let me try out for the team. So I skipped a year after high school and I went to De Anza, and, you know, a, a year later, like when I was, I don't know, what, a 20. And uh, I just went there just to play. And once again, I wasn't any motivation to to get drafted or or anything like that. I just went there and played just for the fun of playing. And then uh, my second year at De Anza, then some colleges started to uh, offer me some stuff, and I signed a letter of intent to Santa Barbara, but I had a Oklahoma State was going to give me a half ride or something like that. And um, so I think, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, awesome. Yeah, I'd love to play, sure. So I signed that letter of intent, and then uh, and then a Royal Scout worked me out like before practice or something. Ran the sixty-yard dash, you know, fielded some grounders or something. Didn't think much of it, and they didn't say anything. And uh, I had no idea that that uh, I was even going to be drafted. Didn't think anything about it. Didn't just playing ball, being a being a twenty-year-old, you know. <laughs> and uh, I got a mailgram in the mail at my apartment. 
said I'd been drafted in the 10th round of the January draft. That was back when they had a January draft. I didn't even know there was a draft going on. <laughs> and and uh, so, and then they get a phone call from the scout, and they come to my house and, uh, you know, and offer me 7500 bucks to play ball, and, and I go, sure. <laughs> Why not? So that was it's pretty simple. There were no, no, you know, there was never a drive to become a professional baseball player. I thought it'd be cool, you know. I thought, I, but never really gave it much thought. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't anything. You're always trying to do your best. You know, it wasn't like I was just playing and partying and having fun. It was the competitor. Uh, I can remember at the end of just being just so motivated to do well and just. I, I could never do anything. It didn't matter whether it's working on a car or playing baseball where you didn't give it 100%. So it was just, but there was no underlying thing of, well, if I work really hard or I do this, I'm going to get drafted. It was just simply a, probably a function of the personality that you just try your hardest you know, when you go to do something. So that's wow. just the way it all worked out. It's pretty cool. Well, the guy's name was uh, Richard Slinker that kind of discovered you from the Royals. I mean, so he was he the only scout, with, or they the only team that kind of worked you out? And I mean, how did he find you? Do you have any idea? Where... Well, yeah, yeah, because um, you know he was local out there, and uh, my I, my head coach was Ed Bursu, who had played for the Cardinals uh, probably in the early '60s, maybe. Um, and he was our head coach. So I'm sure, in fact, I know that he said, you, he and uh, Rick Schrader, the assistant coach, I'm sure they said, hey, you got to take a look at this guy. You know, something like, something along those lines. You know, so that, that that's how Rich, Richie uh, drafted me, was probably through Eddie and, and uh, Rick. Okay. So that's that's the deal. He just I just didn't you know he just wasn't at a game and then I hit a homer or something and he said oh this guy's good I think it was a recommendation from my head coach. Wow, must have been a strong one to go that high there in the in the tenth round. So what did a kid? From- I think the te- I think the January draft was a was a tenth round in January is not a big deal. Oh I really? That's I, I I don't think so. No, there were two drafts and uh, I think the January draft is kind of just a draft where you. Where a lot of teams just pick random dudes, to random dudes that they think may have a shot or may you know show some athletic ability or whatever. I think it's more of a not a highly thought about draft back then. Huh. I think it's just kind of like kind of like the, maybe the thirty through fiftieth round now. You know, in June they're okay. kind of just hey, take a shot at this guy. This guy can run, or this guy looks like he can hit a little bit, or this guy's got a good arm, or whatever. You know, they kind of just take kind of shot in the dark at some of these guys okay that makes sense i think that's what the january draft was all about back then i can't say for sure because i wasn't drafting it but i kind of get that get that feeling well so you sign with the royals then you begin your pro career that same summer in sarasota the gulf coast league you led the entire league and run scored you were third in hits and total bases and slugging so that first summer in sarasota what do you remember about that that was cool. It was, it was, um, I mean, it was amazing to get paid to play baseball. It was, uh, 600 bucks a month and it was, uh, 
just awesome to to just be playing baseball and getting paid. I didn't once again I didn't really ever think about numbers. Um it was just play just playing the game. And and uh my coach at I was pretty well prepared um for how to play the game. You know, just simple stuff that a lot of guys really didn't know back then. They all know now. It's just simply hitting behind runners and uh, situations of when to steal, counts, um, you know, reading swings off the bat defensively, uh, just different kinds of stuff. You know, when when do you really need to put the ball in play, make something happen, or, or when do you take a shot at driving the ball? Um, just just those things. It was kind of pretty pretty much without even knowing that I was being coached those things in college with Parmetti. Um, he instilled that those those qualities in all the players on that team. So we, I didn't even know I was being taught. That's how good of a coach he was. And those are great coaches or when they can teach and you don't even know you're being taught, you're just learning. And uh, it kind of carried over into uh, rookie ball with Joe Jones with the Royals, who was just fantastic coach, unbelievable. And uh, he he started to instill in all the players, um, you know, how to act, how to behave, um, the way to carry yourself. Um, as far as baseball-wise, Joe was unbelievable in uh, base running and the proper lead and how big of a lead to get depending on what kind of a jump unit you want because you're, you're trying to get to second base, you're trying to steal. The Royals are always built on speed and defense, still are, and that was a huge part of the game. And Joe was just unbe- unbelievable in getting players to have confidence that they could steal a base um, depending on the pitcher's time, the catcher's time, your lead. Uh, how aggressive you want to be, when do you take a risk on getting picked off. Um, all the finer points of base running, I really, really learned from Joe. And then overall, just how to behave. And, the, and they gave you a confidence um, level. That's where I gained most confidence was was in in rookie ball. That's where, you know, you, it just felt good to play and you were successful a lot of the time, and the team was. Well, now everyone knows later on you'd go and play nine positions in the big leagues, obviously. But that was so right off the bat, you caught 18 games behind the dish that year. I'm, I'm wondering, I, I mean, did you caught much growing up, and why did they catch you so early off the bat? Um, no, I never caught at all. Um, they they drafted me and said you're going to be a catcher. <laughs> they had I caught a few games uh, at the ends, I think, and they were pretty set. And I was a third baseman at DeAnza, so the Royals were pretty set at third base, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, at that time. And they said, probably they didn't tell me any of this, but but maybe they liked, you know, some of the things I was I could do, you know, on de- uh, other than defense offensively. So they put me behind the plate, and then uh, I went through that, tried to learn as as uh, much as I could. You know, my legs took a beating because they weren't used to that. My thighs weren't used to the load. I mean, it's it, those guys that catch, I just admire all the catchers, you know. But now they do it in their sleep because they're they're trained for it, and it's not a big deal to get in the crouch. But for me, it was tough, you know. 
And uh, but then I went after the rookie league season. I went to instructional league, which is the same complex, the same setup, everything, same equipment guy, old Willis. Uh, and he, I, I, I come up to uh, him to get my uniform and all the stuff. And he just said, "Turn in your catcher's gear. You're not catching anymore." So, and I, so that was that was how that ended. So apparently, I didn't didn't open any eyes behind the plate <laughs> as a catcher, but it got that experience, you know, to where at the major league level, I would go to uh, spring training with the pitchers and catchers and help out. There's a lot of got a lot of arms, you know, and lot, they need a lot of catchers. So I would go early for that and then be the third catcher in an emergency situation in the big leagues. So so that's how that all happened. But I was I was I was not a good catcher. Not at all. I mean I could squat back there and catch a ball, but if it was in the dirt I was toast and <laughs> my release was long and you know, more like a just more like a regular player. You know, I just didn't have the short short release and all that all the and the quick feet. Well, I felt like I had quick quick feet on defense like at third base or any other position, but behind the plate, my feet were slow, super slow, and uh, couldn't get it timed, couldn't get the release, couldn't, you know, worked hard at it, and, and but never really gave it much thought as usual, you know, it didn't, really wasn't a thinking player and in, in thinking about performance, just kind of going out there and playing. Yeah. Well, so 317 is what you hit. You're on base 427 that year at Sarasota. So then the next year, a bit of a sophomore slump in 82 at Fort Myers. So you repeated that level, but then did well and got moved up uh, to Jacksonville. So, you know, playing double A with the Jacksonville Suns there, you know, what do you remember about that? Um, yeah, each jump was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, the, the jump to A ball. Um, I can remember it being a little bit tough, you know, obviously the numbers are horrible. Uh, I think I was pretty much a pull hitter, uh, for the most part. And that's good. That's fine. I love to pull the ball. I think a lot of people do, but once the pitching gets better, you really have to pick your spots, you know, when, when you might want to try to pull the ball, you really have to become more of a complete, a complete hitter and look more middle. And uh, just try to drive the ball back up the middle, and and I think I struggled for a year or two, or kind of all the way through the minor leagues. My numbers are all over the place, you know. I'd get going good, and then bad, and then good, and and uh, it depended on the pitching. Of course, you could go a week without seeing a really, really good pitch to hit, where it's just you're unlucky at that particular moment when who's ever on the mound paints paints the corners for your at bat. You know, you may you may score ten runs and your team have fifteen hits, but you're at bats. You get you don't get anything good to hit, or you know, or you just hit the ball hard and it goes at somebody, whatever. But as you move up, the pitching definitely gets better, and you get it's not it's not the velocity, and so much as the stuff. There are guys with better stuff, you know, better breaking balls and better better fastballs, but that's not what gets you out. It's there. It's I get myself out a lot on those a lot of those years. Uh, because you get fewer and fewer really, really good pitches to hit, the ones you can crush that are in your zone, the where you like it, you know, and everybody likes the ball in a different spot. But um, in, when, when it came to getting that ball that I hit hard, be it a breaking ball or change-up or fastball or whatever, I just didn't see as many of those. And so I had to learn, kind of learn how to hit, kind of move my zone around, and that's where those down years came. 
and uh, you know, and then you kind of when you you kind of get locked into it, and then kind of goes away, and then you know it just kind of kind of hit him. You know, it's kind of just the way it is. So there were there were hitting struggles along the way in the minor leagues, for sure. But um, but anyways, Jacksonville was was uh, same deal. You know, gets gets a little bit tougher tougher there. So as you move up, it just gets a little harder, and you make adjustments and try to find ways to get hits. Yeah, well, you did a lot of that in 1984 then. So you are at uh, the Southern League All-Star team there, AA Memphis, and uh, I saw you swiped 43 bases that year too. So, you know, that I'm assuming that season in Memphis, pretty good memories? Um, What I hit? I don't even know my numbers there. I don't think I hit very high average there. 292 or something like that? Oh, did I really? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was all, oh, I was always able to, to swipe a bag, um, back then. Now I couldn't, um, <laughs> I was fast enough to, I mean, now I couldn't, I mean, in today's game, I couldn't, oh, okay. they didn't, we didn't have the, uh, there were very few guys that slide that had a slide step back then. And, uh, they were slow to the plate. Most of the pitchers were a one five, you know, one three to one five. And if, and if they were that, you were you were good to go. You you know you were going to get a bag, and that's just that's just the way it was. There were more stolen bases back then by everybody, and uh, but but now with the guys being one one and slide stepping one two and good moves and all the stuff, there's just no way I could get a bag. I'm not I'm not fast enough, you know, in today's game. So, you know, that's just. That's just the way that, the, the way it goes. But it, but the numbers look good on paper. But you gotta you gotta realize that that those those numbers are skewed by the talent you're you're facing. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, and before we get to uh, Omaha and Kansas City, then who were some of your best friends in those early minor league days? Maybe some guys who didn't make it up to the big leagues, or some that did. Who were some of the guys that you remember most when you look back to those first you know several summers? Um, there was. There was nobody, you know. There's all the guys. It's it. There were. I just remember uh, a guy named Billy Best was just super funny. Um, he was awesome, dude. And uh, well, Rick Rizzo in in AA and John Morris, the number one pick, was just a phenomenal guy. There's a whole list of names you can go down. All the guys and uh, Hal Hatcher was a really really good friend. He's uh, Mickey Hatcher's brother. Oh, okay. Uh, played in Fort Myers with him and Double A with him. Um, but I mean, everybody, everybody was awesome, and that's that's kind of kind of what I what I tell my son when he's eighteen now, and um, he plays ball, and and I I tell him once you know the pro ball scene is so awesome because all the guys are cool, and because if you're not cool, they get rid of you. That's the bottom line, you know, the, and, and so everybody's cool and you're all, you're all in it together and you're all just working on baseball. So there aren't any really other than the names I, that kind of came to mind. That's kind of, I haven't really thought about it in a long time, but yeah. <laughs> there, were ton, there were tons of good friends, um, you know, through those years. It was awesome. Is your, you mentioned your son, is he uh, looking at, you know, college ball or getting drafted or whatever? Right now, he's just trying to just wants to play. So we're we're gonna. Um, he's all his season is almost over with, and we'll just see where he'll play summer ball here. He plays Legion ball here, 
and uh, hopefully maybe he can he can uh, get an opportunity to play at a junior college or or uh, somewhere around. You know, just wants to play, but um, we'll see where it takes him. Just luck his dad, right? Hope, yeah, I, I tell him he thinks too much, so you know that's why I tell him don't think, just play. Yeah, yeah. You know, what if I do this? If this guy's watching, if this, maybe I can get this. And I just play. Yeah, it's, it just clouds your mind. You know, just just have fun and play baseball. But yeah. it's hard because it's so it's changed so much. You know, they that that they they don't sort of have the freedom to just play. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't we weren't really concentrated back then in high school and college on, and even in the pro game for that matter, we weren't so focused on winning. What it took to win is for is more we were focused on just executing. You know, it's just a every pitch, just execute, and then whatever the score is at the end of the day, that's what it is. And now it's winning has has kind of so it's it's a little different. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's. It's worse. It's you know I'm not going to be an old curmudgeon and say oh back in the good old days you know that's that's not the way it is. It's a great game and it's unbelievable now. The talent's just fantastic and uh, yeah, it's better than it's ever been for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that the uh, all the recruiting sites and the different you know social media and stuff doesn't help either with a younger kid who's coming up. All the pressure and being compared and all that good stuff. So I'm they sure do that. a lot of stuff these days. Yeah, it's crazy, but yeah. they seem to they, these these young men can handle it. So it's cool. So 1985 begins a string of many years at Omaha, the entire 85 season there, and then most of 86 when you got your first call up to KC. So it's September 18th when they purchased your contract. So take us back to that first call to the big leagues. Who told you, where were you at, and what was that moment like? Uh, I was in uh, instructional league, actually. This, our season was over, and uh, John Bowles said, you're going to Seattle. And... Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. You get a lot of butterflies instantly. You start really thinking about, you know, what it's like. And and for me, it was a little bit different uh, than most players because I had never even been to a big league camp. You know, I wasn't I wasn't on the forty man roster at the time, and I I hadn't even met a lot of those guys. So it was it was pretty wild, you know. But uh, I had played with. Uh, it really made it easy because sites. Seitzer was uh, had gotten called up in September, and then I went on to instructional league. And then when when uh, I got called up out of instructional league, somebody got hurt. I don't remember. You know, Seitzy took me in right away. You know, at the hotel in Seattle, and was, was giving me good. You know, all the advice. Just relax. You know, it's awesome. Just enjoy the ride, and all the all the proper things to say to somebody who's clearly going to be very nervous. And uh, you know, so it was, it was, he made it a lot easier for me, you know, once I got, once I landed in Seattle and got to the hotel and, and then you get to the ballpark for the first time and it was just incredible. It can't, it's undescribable feeling. The guys, guys look big, even though they're, they're smaller than you. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. <laughs> they just look bigger than life when they're, when they're in uniform and in person. And, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty fun. So I got put into a game for defense for some reason, and uh, I got a routine ground ball hit to my left, and I gator armed it. Never even laid a glove on it. <laughs> I, was, I was so nervous, and uh, so it was. You know, I had the early nerves and all that, but but you get you get over it once you you're around the guys for a little bit. You find out, hey, wait a minute, it's just the same ball coming at me the same way. There's no different. So 
mean, you just make the adjustment. But it was a great day, for sure, to get called up. And then, you know, of course, you'd call your family and all that's really, you know, there's tears and there's all the good stuff. So it was awesome. Well, your your first A-B is against Matt Young, so you uh, grounded out. Then six days later at the Metrodome, uh, double off Frank Viola, first big league hit. I'm assuming you remember that moment pretty well. Yeah, just uh, fastball away and hit a liner over the first baseman's head, over Herbie's head, and, and got a double. You know, so it was, by that time, like you, you said, it was six days later, so I'd been there for a week, and it just felt good at that point to get it out of the way. Um, get the opportunity, you know, and, and that's that's when you sit there and think, wow, I, I got a hit in the big leagues, uh, you know, all that will always be, you know, and always can say or for whatever that's worth, you know, who cares, you know, it's like, oh, I got a hit in the big leagues. But, you know, as far as your mind is, you know how your mind works and, and you're going, wow, they can't, I can't, nothing can take that away from me that I, that this actually happened, you know, I didn't feel like I did this or I did that it's just that a moment happened in your life that was very cool and uh so it was awesome yeah it was totally cool and then uh so the next year 1987 that starts the string of up and down up and down so four times you're up and down in 87 and a couple memorable things that year your first big leg home runs off of Rich Yet and then at Omaha you had a 26 game hitting streak which is pretty impressive since you were only there for 35 games do you remember that 26 game hitting streak pretty well yeah, I do. That was that was awesome. There was it wasn't a it was it was really cool because um, it seemed that it wasn't a really awesome streak. It was kind of it was a lot of one first in there, so it was it was like things aligning for whatever the stars were aligned, whatever. And um, I don't think I mean yeah, I had a twenty six game hitting streak, but I don't I don't, I doubt if I hit three forty or three fifty during that streak. You know, usually when you have a streak, you're hitting four hundred, but but that was like a lot of one first and. Uh, and then I remember getting called up during the streak, and I, and I, I think at that time it was cool, you know. I could, I knew enough people. I think I said said to somebody, "Well, I don't want to go because I I want to keep my hitting streak alive," <laughs> or something like that. But of course, that wasn't true. You know, you could just joke around, kind of like that. But um, but yeah, that was a that was a I I felt good at the plate. I have to admit, you know, that was that was things were rolling. So what was the second part of that question? Uh, oh, just I mean um, that's that's it. Just about just get, and then get and then got called. The, oh, the rich yet Homer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was back to back with Bo Jackson, by the way. Oh, was it really? He he, he hit one, then I hit one. Yeah, I believe. I, if I remember right, hopefully I am. If not, it doesn't matter. But well, you know, uh, Bo only got his home run because they were afraid to face you, right? So you're protecting him, right? That I was protection. I was protection, <laughs> protection for him. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That's an obvious one. Uh, 1988, really good season, too. So you got to spend the entire season for the first time at the big league level in 88. You played shortstop every day the month of September. You had an eight-game hitting streak that year. I mean, that first full season in the big leagues, how nice was that for you? Uh, it was, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's it's like this is, you never want to be anywhere else. You just don't, It was it was just like, now it's just a, it happened so quick you don't but but that you know it was just a place you wanted to be i wanted to go to work every single day and i go way early but couldn't stay home i just wanted to go to the ballpark and just loved loved the whole the whole thing and it, being in the major leagues of course um you know you're getting paid better <laughs> so 
and and that that was nice and you just can't believe it you know i just it was so thankful for everything and you just can't believe you're getting paid to play baseball and uh all the while having super amount of fun doing it and uh i think you only feel you know the only times you felt i felt pressure pressure or bad is when 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 i would not perform well and was worried about being sent out or not being there you know it the fear of failure, you know, was a motivating factor. And that kind of can wear on you a little bit. And I think, you know, when you're a fringe pet player like I was, you know, you're low on the, you know, you're just don't become an everyday guy or, you know, whatever. You're, you're year to year and you're kind of getting that. But you try to block all that stuff out and just, just go out there and play and have fun. But it was amazing. It was awesome. That was also the uh, the first year of baseball cities for spring training. You know, what do you remember? How much nicer was that than Fort Myers, first of all? And then, what do you remember about it when it first opened up? I really liked it. I thought it was cool. You know, it was out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm kind of an out in the middle of nowhere guy. And I thought it was awesome. The thing that nobody liked was, um, believe it or not, was the turf itself. It was infield turf, and it had sand in it, and the ball literally wouldn't bounce. You could throw the ball straight down, and it would just thud and not not bounce huh. so that was kind of a kind of a uh, it was a terrible playing surface that's the, I, I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind not not to be negative about anything but but it was bad because it it really didn't prepare the team the infielders for what was to come when you got to kansas city with the old turf there that was especially on day games it was like you know a super Bowl was bouncing on that stuff so <laughs> You had to make these, and we all knew it. It wasn't that big of a deal. We go, okay, guys, let's get ready for real turf. You know, when we, when we, when we break camp, you know, just get this stuff out of your mind because every ground ball you just put your glove on that that turf. You know, wouldn't bounce. It literally would not bounce, and you, you just put your glove on the ground and catch it. But um, I know we were we stayed. Where we stayed? It's by Orlando. I don't remember, but we had a great time there. I had no problem with that place. It was cool. Did you uh, ever go ride any of the rides? I did not. I never, never went over there. So was that the first year of baseball? I don't even remember those things running. Yeah, it was. I mean, if they, if they were, they weren't very cool. They weren't very big rides, anyways. So yeah, well, you got Disney World, you know, just down, down right. the road. It was kind of exactly doomed for failure. I mean, I guess it. Really, I guess I think that the the ride part was only open for three years or parts of three years, so it didn't last long. Yeah, right. And that place didn't last long. So I, for whatever reason, I have no idea. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Now, so you, you know, those were my first growing up. Those were my favorite Royals teams of those late '80s, and I loved all the infielders, like you and Sites, and and my all-time favorite player is is Brad Wellman and Kurt Stillwell and Frank White. You know, George. What was it like playing with those, you know, the, the infielder guys there? Uh, it was, it was just awesome. I mean, you were, you were part of them. You were a family. You were other friends. You could get yelled at or yell at them or I never did, but, um, you know, you could, the play, uh, you know, George was just huge and, uh, a leader, um, just, uh, just by example type of leader and, uh, just played so hard every time. I mean, and, you know, you've heard it a thousand times about George running hard to first base and that's just the way it was. And uh, you couldn't not 
give maximum effort, you know, playing with with Frank and Willie and George and all the guys, you know, and, and all the leaders because they were giving maximum effort. Not that I wouldn't anyways, but, um, you know, it's it's uh, just the example part of it and, and to, to try to maintain the high standards that the Royals had set, you know, as an organization up to that time were super high, you know, going to all the postseasons and, of course, the World Series and all that. And, and uh, you're playing with guys that have World Series rings and, and so, I mean, it really wasn't easy to, or really wasn't hard to get motivated to play good, and 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 let alone they're they're your friends as well. So it's just it was just awesome to. I do look back at that now when I'm older. It's like who I played with and who I played against, and some of the names are pretty cool. You know, a lot of Hall of Famers now, so so it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, among those infielders too, you got what Frank's doing politics, and George is in the Hall of Fame. Sites is a hitting coach. Stillwell's a sports agent. Wellman's son plays in the NHL. So you know, it's all kind of random, random mixing. Right? Guys there. Yeah, Casey is he still in the NHL this year? I is think he, so. yeah. He he bounces around like his dad. Like his dad told me, he's a grinder. You know, he's kind of up and right. down. And, and right, I know he's with Minnesota a couple years ago, and I was watching him, and then he disappeared and. And I, did, I did, hadn't seen his name because I follow hockey quite close. And I hadn't seen his name this year. I was kind of wondering about that. Were you there that but, day uh, in Boston? I know it was. I think it was. Was it you with Brad when he learned to skate on the off day there in Boston and he couldn't skate, so he got all pissed off and made his family learn how to skate, and that's kind of how that happened. Were you there that day when that happened? I, I was not. I was not there that day. No. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was you or Sites. So it was one of you, one of the guys. No, it was not me. Okay. So anyway, so 1989 is the next year, and it's around that time your teammates started you know, call, you know, calling you I-29 since you're always up and down from Omaha. I love your uh, famous quote where you say, quote, I like the nickname when I'm going southbound, not northbound. So who, who gave That's you true. the nickname I-29? Who, whose idea was that originally? I think it was a newspaper dude. I, think it, I don't think it was a player. Hmm. So I think somebody, one of, the, one of the local writers, I don't even know who, but but uh, none of the players called me that. It was more of a media thing. So I think it was one of the writers, and that they would they would kind of write it in the paper uh, <laughs> back then. But none of the players called me called me that. Well, and then uh, also I remember where you said once, you, you know, you, I can't even rent an apartment because I never know I'm going to be from week to week or month to month. Um, that was a stupid statement. I, I read that not too long ago, and that was really – Really selfish. I didn't like your. I didn't like what I said when I read reread that. Really? Um, no, that's kind of that's that's really not a very grateful grateful attitude to to say. Oh, I can't do this, and I because they're calling me up and down. I mean, really, you're going to complain about that? You know, you're getting a chance to play baseball, and you get opportunities to go to the big leagues. What? Really disappointed in myself for that quote. You know, if you if you look at it, it doesn't look very positive, and it doesn't put a positive light on myself or my attitude at that. I guess I was thinking it because I said it, but I don't like what I said. I wish I could take that one back. Yeah, well, you had some great moments during that season. I mean, uh, four times up and down. I'm assuming this is one of the coolest moments of your career. So it's Yankee Stadium. It's July 14th. Five hits in the doubleheader. You had three home runs, a double, and four RBIs. I mean, the fact that it happened at Yankee Stadium, did that make it even more surreal? I think so. I think it was, it was a great, yeah, it does. Um, there were, once I kind of got 
you know, got up to like triple A and thought, wow, there's a shot, you know, here. Um, that you kind of mind, you know, you're thinking baseball 24 seven and laying in bed at night or whatever. You're thinking, man, I'd really like to hit a homer in Fenway park and Yankee stadium. Those were the two places that I thought would be really cool to hit a home run, you know, and, and, uh, was fortunate enough to accomplish both of those things. And the one night was just, the one night in New York was just a night where, uh, we doubleheader and, and the ball was flying. Uh, there was a lot of home runs hit in that game. It wasn't just my three. McFarland hit one, Wellman hit one, Balboni hit one, George hit one, the other team hit a bunch. Um, it was, it was flying. And, uh, I just got under, under a couple, uh, you know, under three of them. And when the ball's carrying, you hit a routine fly ball, you know, and, and it was where I hit those. It was not the deepest part of left field. It was more of the shorter part. They were, you know, so, so it, the ball was flying. That's all I can say. And, uh, and got lucky and hit, hit, hit three of them out. Yeah. The worst part of that night, there's always a, it's like you always want, you know, you're always wanting more, you know, you know, it's that greed factor or whatever. I got up with the, my last at bat, I got up with the bases loaded and one out. And this is after the three homers and everything else. And I got probably the best pitch I got the whole night. And um, I got lazy or something. I don't know whether it was a uh, – I don't know what it was, but it was a barrel ball I should have should have been the one I hit the farthest. And, hit, <laughs> and that would have been a great capper to hit a grand slam on top of the night yeah. to make it four homers. But I hit a one-hopper to the shortstop that was a little late on it. Hit a one-hopper to the shortstop and double play. <laughs> and then in the bottom of the ninth inning – Jesse Barfield for them hit a walk off, I don't know, two or three run homer to walk us off. So that was kind of disappointing on a on a great night. You know, I kind of could have made it really really special, and uh, kind of choked, and uh, would not you know kind of put a little cloud over my good night. So, but it was definitely special looking back now. You know, it it, it was a great, it was awesome. Well, I mean, your team was damn good that year in 89. It's too bad there wasn't a wild card because you guys could have gone really deep in the playoffs, maybe even you know competed for the World Series, I always thought. But um, So you head into 1990. Sports Illustrated says you know they're going to win the World Series. You have the highest payroll. You add Mark and Storm Davis, amongst other people. And then obviously 1990, I'm assuming, I mean, I, is that the most disappointing year of your career as far as where you guys ended up with all the expectations and coming off that great 89 season? I didn't read any expectations, so I didn't know about them. Um, once again, back, we're just kind of, uh, playing, trying to execute and, uh, not just, just try to, just try to play good ball and execute. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, I don't remember it specifically why, you know, any certain particular reason why things didn't work out, but clearly we didn't execute as well as, as we needed to uh, as individuals. Um, but I can't say any, you know, uh, there's no super disappointing season, you know, really. It just kind of play, you know, and you kind of accept the end, whatever whatever it is, and you, and you do your best, you know, and, and you're disappointed in losses, every loss. And, uh, so yeah, it's tough. You know, I was in the playoffs with Atlanta as well. So 
um, that was that was that was tough. But you know, we lost in six games in the NLCS, and that was that was that was tough. You know, for it just to end end like that. But we did everything we could do. We, we everybody to a man was was giving everything they had. So you have to accept accept the loss, love the losses, which are a lot of them. There's a lot of losses in baseball. You lose a ton of games. Yeah. And uh, you just kind of have to accept it. So you just kind of move on. You know, you don't really dwell on any of it. Yeah, well, you one uh, you know thing you probably remember that happened in 1990 was off a Cleveland pitcher named Efren Valdez. Do you remember your inside the park home run that year? Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun one. Um, that was a broken bat, a, a slider away, <laughs> reached out. Uh, it was day game. The turf was like super hot, you know, 135 degrees on the turf or whatever it is. We used to put the George Tomey used to put a thermometer on it and tell us whatever it was. It was hot. And uh, I reached out and broke my bat, hit a ball up the end of the bat, a bleeder, kind of over short, you know, short left field. And a left fielder came in, and uh, he trying to make the catch, you know, in the air and realized he wasn't going to, and he stopped, and it bounced over his head because it, it was so bouncy. And uh, bounced over his head and dribbled out all the way to left. He didn't even run hard after it. He knew it was over. <laughs> so that was one where I could jog from third to home. There was no throw, no nothing. Because once it got over, it's kind of towards the line a little bit, too. It wasn't straight over shortstop. So once it bounced over his head, he knew he was toast. <laughs> and he just kind of jogged after it and went and picked it up and threw it back in. <laughs> so that was a fun one. That was an easy one. Yeah, that's great. And then that would be the last year too. Luckily, that you'd ever play in the minor leagues. You, you just, you know, just a cup of coffee. Twenty nine games in Omaha there in nineteen ninety. Now you'd obviously have rather been in KC all those years, I know. But you know, talking about Omaha real quick before we move on from there, what was it like playing there at Rosenblatt Stadium? And how'd you like those uh, College World Series road trips? <laughs> uh, it was. It was great. The 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 World College World Series was great because when we got back, the field was in fantastic shape. Well, Believe that's it or true. not, it was in better shape than because they watered it so much during. They drag it and they take they take good care of it. And when we so the first week when we got back, the the field was awesome. But um, no, we didn't mind. Road trips are fun. We're all single dudes. We're you know we didn't care about going on the road for two weeks. It didn't matter. And uh. So we just we just were playing were playing ball, but um, Rosenblatt was tough tough place to hit. It was big, it was gigantic, you know. And for a guy like me that had warning track power, you you need the smaller ballpark to get one out. So we I flew out a lot to the warning track where you just miss it. You go, gosh, if we were in another park, it would have been a homer, you know, something like that. It was a big yard, you know. I think it probably that was part of some of the reason I had failures in AAA was that. Uh, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, this is a big yard, just hit the ball up the middle and just hit the ball the other way. There's a lot of room out there for those outfielders to cover. You're going to get a lot of hits. You know, Instead, you're stubborn and you're trying to yank home runs every at-bat, and you kill yourself, you get yourself out. So probably more my fault than anything else, but I just remember it being a giant yard. And I love Omaha. It was, it's a nice town. We have great apartment. And, you know, was, Rosenblatt was a cool stadium. We loved it. Did you make it over to the zoo quite a bit? Uh, quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, enjoyed it. It's yeah. getting better and better every year, too. It's a nice zoo. 
Yeah, that's, that's a it's a nice little place. I'm, I'm glad the Royals have been there since day one. So 91 comes around then. So you finally stick at the big league level for good, 91 and on. And you had career highs you know, in virtually every category because in July, Hal took over as manager and named you, David Howard, and uh, Warren Cromarty starters then at that time. So was that a, a big surprise to you when he did that? Uh, yeah, huge surprise. Um, came in after it, the last game before the All-Star break and said, you're going to play every game the rest of the year. And I said, cool. That's, that's the extent of the conversation. <laughs> you know, I said, cool or sweet or awesome or something like that. And I uh, went to playing ball. And, uh, yeah, it was a huge surprise. I mean, to have Stillwell, great friend, he's in my wedding sites. He's a great friend in my wedding locker mate. We lockered next to each other. And for him, those two guys to get benched in favor of, of me and David was uh, quite surprising. And, and uh, everybody did a great job with it and handled it well. And we just kept playing, you know. So it was a tribute to my good friends that, that I was able to perform. I didn't feel the pressure at all from them. So, so yeah, it's, it was a Personally, a good year for sure. You know, be able to to hit a decent average over a, over a period of time. You know, because a lot of times when you're a fringe player and you get an opportunity, you know, you your weaknesses they get exposed. The, the other teams find your weaknesses out and expose you big time. And I was able to stay away from that, which uh, felt pretty good. How'd you like playing for both uh, Duke and uh, for Hal? Basically, there was an. It was awesome both ways, you know. And they were. They're my manager. They're, they're, the, the leader of the team. They, they're your manager, and you do what they say and respect them and play hard for them because you want to win for them. Um. So. They were. They were great. There. There was nothing. Nothing ever where there was nothing ever bad at all of either either for all the managers I played for for that matter it was it was it was just uh they're your manager they're the they're the head you know it's it's hard to hard to describe but but um all the managers I think are pretty similar they they just want you to play hard and if you play hard and and give a maximum effort. There's never going to be anything said, so so it really, really basically the same is was all I can say. Yeah, you know? yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then so ninety one. One other thing happened. June twenty fourth, you threw your first of two big league appearances on the mound. One run over two innings. I see you threw strikes on twenty of twenty six pitches. You got. Three ground ball outs. So you know, how did you end up? Because that game really wasn't that much of a blowout. I think it was nine to four or something like that. How did you end up pitching that day? And then what do you remember about that day? We we were our pitching was decimated. We were they were arms were dead, and the game was over. Back then, five runs was over. Yeah. And uh, so, I just to say, the bullpen was toast. I don't know. They probably pitched a zillion innings for two two straight weeks or whatever. And. Uh, well, I just know I gave up a triple to Winfield. Uh, he had a rocket off the center field fence, and that was that would completed the cycle for him. Oh, really? And and that was his only cycle of his career. 
So he he needs he needs to step back and say he had a uh, almost a cycle because <laughs> of who he hit the triple off. Of. Right, right, right. So if he, if he wants to if he wants to call it a full blown cycle, let him do it. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, no, I I threw I I was a. Uh, I was never a I was a pitcher growing up as usual like a lot of the kids but not a pitcher I just pitched but um I threw a ton of batting practice when I was a utility guy and not playing and so early BP and stuff like that so it was no big deal to get out there and throw strikes and that's that's when when the game's stupid is when you put a an infielder in to pitch your utility guy or whatever at the end of those blowout games, and when they they try to throw knuckle balls and curve balls and all this stuff, and they and they don't throw strikes, that's when the game really gets kind of stupid. And uh, so that, I knew that just throw it down the middle and let them hit it, and they did. So, and we got a couple. I think I threw a couple wrinkles. They get three straight hits or something, and I called Mac out and said, "I got to throw a little bit of a wrinkle in here to, or you know, this is just going to get really bad." and so I threw a couple breaking balls and got a couple, got a grounder double play or something like that. I just mixed in a breaking ball so they wouldn't keep, try to keep it down. So they just hit a grounder. And guys don't like facing infielders either. So it's it's not they don't. I hated it when I was facing uh, somebody else's you know infielder when they're throwing because you're like embarrassed. You don't want to strike out. You know you know you're all those thoughts. Oh, I can't let this infielder get me out. So it really is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everybody, really. It's uncomfortable for the manager, the the player that's throwing, and the hitter. They don't want to. They don't want to do it. So, um, just threw it up there, and they hit it. I think I. I think I threw 84 miles an hour, though. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I felt. Believe it or not, I was in total. You know, arm was just in great shape. Everything was. You know, I could throw across the diamond as hard as I wanted. Never had any arm problems ever. And after those two innings, two days later, my the back of my right, not shoulder, but my, more on my back, where your trap would be or whatever, your shoulder blade, I felt soreness in there just from that. It's crazy. It's like, this is totally different when you don't get to, like, take a crow hop. So, <laughs> in, in two little innings, I gained appreciation for what pitchers with their bodies go through. That's great. So after 1991, I've got to think you're feeling pretty good. You know, you've played every day at the big leagues. You've been in the big league for a full year. So I'm, you know, I'm believing you probably expected to be back there in 1992, perhaps competing for the everyday third baseman spot. And that's when KC makes the blockbuster trade. So it's December 11th of 91, you and Sabes to the Mets for McReynolds, Jeffries, and Miller. Now, the moment you found out that news, where were you at? How did you find it out? And then what were your emotions like leaving KC and going to New York? Uh, I found out on Sports Center. Really? Watching, yeah, at night. It was late at night, and uh, then got a call after that, and uh, it was terrible. I have to admit, it was. You know, I was I was ready to go. I mean, I was I was felt like I had won the third base job uh, for sure for the next year and the foreseeable future. And that was back when they were handing out, they were like three-year deals were common, kind of like two- or three-year deals were pretty common practice. And uh, I, and that's where my agents were leaning toward. And 
we had, I was really very comfortable. I had learned all the pitchers in the league. Um, just loved Kansas City, loved everything about everything. Everything was like perfect. It was a perfect world, you know? And then when I got traded, it was just, just crushing. It was so brutal because I bled Royal Blue for 10 years and, uh, and, uh, still do for that matter. But, uh, it was, it was devastating, you know, and, and didn't, uh, it was just hard, very hard because I, I thought I played for the best organization in the best city with the best stadium and the best fan base, the best of everything. And then, uh, having to leave that, uh, was pretty tough, very tough. It was hard, really, really hard. So, uh, it's never quite the same after that. Kind of, kind of a, kind of tough. Yeah. Well, '92 with the Mets, you got in 117 games. I mean, do you have some nice memories of playing in New York? Uh, yeah, I do. There, you know, I played horribly and I uh, got benched. I was opening day starter at third base and couldn't hit a lick. Had a terrible time um, for whatever reason. There's no excuses, but. Uh, just did terrible and got benched and deservedly so. Uh, but I do remember the people, uh, the organization, um, what a great organization they were. Because I didn't know, you know, it going in there cold and how nice everybody was, the front office people and the clubhouse people and everybody, the organizational, just everything was just really, really, really nice and made me feel at home and did everything they could to make, make the transition to a new team easy. And it was, and the players were just wonderful. I mean, Dave Magadan is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Howard Johnson, Eddie Murray, you know, it was just a great group of guys that uh, made the transition really easy. I wish I could have played better for them but I gave everything I had, and it just didn't work out. Well, 1992 ends, and then you become a free agent and sign the two-year deal with the Braves. What made you choose Atlanta, and then how did you like playing there? Um, it was a no-brainer. I got the offer for the two years and said, yep, right away. Um, my agents called me and said that Atlanta wants to give you a two-year deal to be a utility guy, and it's a for sure, we got to go for it, and uh, that was pretty awesome. It, you know, that Atlanta was amazing because of the team. The city was cool. Um, I have nothing, no complaints about that. It was, it was a wonderful time. I have to admit, '93 uh, was special. You know, watching, getting to play with the Hall of Fame pitchers that we had, and uh, Hall of Fame manager. And just a great, great team, great attitude. Uh, won 104 games. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty special. You know, I didn't play very much. I pinch hit a lot. I think I only had 60 some odd at bats or something. Uh, great coaching staff. Everything. It was, it was really, really nice and, and, uh, just a joy to play for a team that has a winning, winning mentality about it and there was never talk about never any talk about winning winning any of those games there was just an aura and an and an 
just a belief that you were going to out-execute the other team on a nightly basis. And when we didn't, it was it was just a loss. It was no big deal, but it was like, how did that happen? Because we're, you know, we're kind of surprised by all, all the losses. It's like, we're too good to lose kind of attitude, but never showed it outwardly. It was just kind of a, kind of a, a way you felt. You don't, you're just the same guy, but it's a way you feel that you, you're, you are going to execute. And, uh, for the most part, we did. That was pretty cool. And the same thing for 94, but when then, we went, then the strike happened and that was, that was kind of brutal. So. Yeah. Well, it was tough. The playoffs were tough. You know, we really wanted to go to the World Series, as as everybody does. You know, so that was, you know, I was I was thinking, well, I'm, you know, this this is a great opportunity here, and uh, to get a to get an NL NL ring and and then possibly a World Series ring, but it didn't happen. Well. You did hit 300, though, right? You were one for three with the run scored there in the NLCS. Was that pretty, you know, pretty amazing? I'm sure playing in the in the NLCS like that. NLCS was amazing. That's why. That's why the what you're seeing from the Royals right now, their drive and determination is so good because once they get a taste of it, it's the only way to play baseball. It is a totally different animal. You're selling out for the team. None of your personal stuff matters. You're, you know, it's it's all about the concentration level notches up to a level that you can't even imagine you could concentrate at. It's the only way to play baseball, and that's why these guys you're seeing the Royals right now play the way they're playing because they know how amazing the playoffs are, and it's just how different it is than the regular season. And uh, should it be that way? I don't know. Can you? I just don't think there. You know, it's possible to ramp yourself up for a regular season game the way you can a playoff game. It's just the way it is. You wish you could, I'm sure, but but it's it's something else. It's and I only got to play in six of those games, you know, and and it's just a totally different level where every pitch, every inch of the ball on the plate is is magnified, and it's just awesome. It's a Oh, it's just so amazing. It's hard to describe. Well, like you mentioned, the strike. So that ends the 94 season early, unfortunately, for you guys and for the Expos and for the Royals, too. We're all playing well. And so you're 34 years old at that time. Now, from how it looks and how I gather, you basically you know, returned in 95 but did not play anymore at that point. You'd retired. Is that is that accurate? You just walked away at the end of 94? Or what happened with that? No, I, I got retired. I didn't retire. <laughs> I, I tried to... Uh, my, we were on the... We called every team looking for a job, and there weren't jobs available. Really? So they... Uh, you know, that was the year that a lot of the middle relievers, uh, kind of guys at my age group, you know, because you've been in there for a certain amount of years, your pay level was a certain amount of pay. And a lot of the middle relievers that could still, that I believe that could still pitch a little bit, or some of the utility guys that could still play, were were just knocked out, and they just signed rookie players for minimum. So that was a big push on the dollar back then. Ugh. And so instead of paying a, a veteran, you know, X amount of dollars, they can they can just bring up a rookie to fill those shoes. You know, as a middle reliever, utility guy, we don't need to pay a you know, that money. So I believe I'm not the only case 
where maybe that happened. I can't say for sure. I'm not an owner. I wasn't in an owner meeting or anything like that. But I know the phone never rang, and I thought I, could, you know, I thought I could still play. I wasn't like I was worn out because I did a lot of, you know, didn't didn't have a lot of wear and tear on the body. I just didn't play a whole awful lot compared to an everyday player. So, so I don't know what happened, but I know the phone never rang, and that that was it. There's when the phone doesn't ring, you don't get a job opportunity, then you're done. So I've never retired. I still think I can come back. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've, I've I've never never retired officially. I saw where some dude just retired officially. I, who was that? Um, oh, uh, it was uh, Bernie Williams. Yeah, like yeah, ten like years after seven I played. Years, seven years later, <laughs> it's like really. So I'm I'm like thinking, all right, I'm going to call the Royals see if they'll give me a one day contract so I can officially <laughs> retire at the age of 55. Maybe yeah, maybe I should draft you on my on my keeper league in fantasy baseball just in case right. you come back, right? I know I I should I, I should I should go. You know what? I'm, I'm 55. <laughs> I think it's time for me to officially officially retire. <laughs> I love it's it. Over with. My I dream is done. Wait, so <laughs> so Japan never called or Mexico or I mean none of, none of that. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, I never, no, nothing. Would there you have gone zero. to Japan or Mexico? I don't know. <laughs> I can't put myself back there that many. Probably, <laughs> I don't. It probably, yeah. Back, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. That'd be interesting. <laughs> That's classic. So, so I, I would have had to had to have that come in front of me before I can make a judgment. Yeah, yeah. Well, last three questions for you, and thanks for all your time. Um, mm-hmm. I got to ask everybody I talked to from that era. Um, you know, Bo Jackson, the most amazing Bo Jackson thing you ever saw or your favorite Bo Jackson story, if you had to pick one or two? Um, well, that, I, I got to – he's – oh, man, what an athlete. He's he's an undescribable athlete. Everything you've, everything you've heard, read, said about his athletic ability was was ridiculous. Um, and it's true. <laughs> The, he hit a ball in Baseball City at the park we were talking about earlier over the scoreboard <laughs> that it was, it was, I can't even to this day believe that a human being did that. It was so far, and the scoreboard is so big and so tall, and, I, and it was in center field-ish, left center, center, you know, more towards center. It was crazy, and that, and the sound of the ball off his bat and a big heavy bat too it sounded different than everybody else's it just his bat speed you know when i when, when a regular mortal human swings a fungal bat that's really light it kind of swishes through the air and uh but he could do that with a 34 35 ounce bat to make it have that sound and when the ball hit it he squared it up it was it was just freakish <laughs> no, I'll never forget that home run he hit in spring training over that scoreboard. Crazy, it's just crazy stuff. Crazy physical tools, amazing. Man, I wish he would have stayed with baseball only. Um, now, how about you? You know, if you had to go back and pick your favorite moment or memory from your Royals career, if you if you could go back and relive one moment, that's probably an impossible question. But you know, what do you think of right now when I say that? Uh, my Royals career, the best moment was the. Uh, the call up in Seattle uh, to batting practice, um, and then the start of the game it was 
was my favorite moment for sure, personally. Um, we didn't win a championship, so that's out. <laughs> I can't say that one. But uh, probably that, probably just the initial call-up from, you know, a guy that probably wasn't supposed to ever get called up. You know, I don't know. It's just pretty amazing to take part in the batting practice uh, for the first time in the big leagues, big leagues with big leaguers, uh, was was just amazing. And then I guess the last thing for you, you know, in summary, what would you like to say to all Royals fans listening right now? Oh man, enjoy it! <laughs> what else can you do? These guys are these guys are good. They got they're really good, and they know how to play the game. And uh, everything everything's everything's good right now. Just. Just enjoy it. Don't be critical. Um, there's still going to be losses. They happen. Uh, but these guys are, are are giving maximum effort, and that's all you can ask. And and they're they're just they're extremely talented, <laughs> just extremely talented players. And just 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 enjoy it. And remember that there's. When things don't go your way, there's another another group of people on the other side that have quite a bit of talent too, you know. And if and if Greg Holland gives up a home run, well, there's a guy and the plate's only so big, and there's there's a guy on the other side that's got a, quite a bit of skill with a bat in his hand, and and those things are going to happen. So so just the what happened last year with the numbers that some of these guys put up, especially the bullpen numbers, the ridiculous numbers they put like Wade Davis, what, four extra base hits and just these crazy, crazy stuff. Just appreciate how good these guys are. Um, all the way through their roster is just incredibly stacked and what an unbelievable job the team, Dayton Moore and, and Ned and everybody concerned. It's a whole host of people. That's a big project what they've done with this to turn this team around all the way from ownership on down, just, just enjoy it and be happy and, and just pull for them, you know, and I know they are. So, which, which shows, and they're, it's just a great fan base. Totally. Well, you know, and, and thanks so much for all that you gave uh, to the Royals organization. You're a fan favorite. You might not think you are, but you are. And, and you know, uh, immortalized by the Pakota stat and, and for, a you know, an eight-year-old and 12-year-old boy, you know, as my age when you were coming up with Royals, so that you were kind of my hero, you know, you and Wellman and all those guys growing up. So, you know, thanks for all the memories and for all you gave to the organization. We're glad you stayed in the city here and that you're part of the alumni group and stay in touch. And hopefully we'll be celebrating well into the season again this year. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you.